Hello and welcome back to Jake's World, episode 52 of Jake's World, presented by the Nuance Magazine. I'm your host, Jake Sawinski, and today is Tuesday, January 5th, 2021. Thank God, right? (laughs) Thank God. I shouldn't even, I shouldn't actually say thank God, even though... It was, there's no denying that it was a complete dumpster fire of a year, right? You can go back from the start, January, late January. That's when the real shit started to hit the fan. I mean, we lost Kobe. All kinds of shitty things happened after that. Um, A year of um, COVID pandemic, lockdowns, death. Um social unrest, political controversy, more COVID, um, stimulus debacles, um, complete debauchery and stupidity out of our politicians, complete debauchery and stupidity out of people who think they're smarter than those politicians, even though I am. Just shit top to bottom, right? I'm glad 2021 is here. Very glad. You should be too. It's a chance for you to put all that stuff behind, even though our problems are still here. And that's my point. I don't like when people say, oh, thank God 2020 is over. I mean, you can be inside. Just don't. Don't be that person who's like, oh, 2020 sucked. I'm so glad it's over. Yeah, no shit. We all know that. Of course we're glad it's over. It it was a dumpster fire. And um, besides waking up hungover, did you think anything was going to be different than from the day before? If you did, you're a bonehead. I mean... Of course, if you were to be asked that question, you'd be like, no, well, of course not. But don't act like just because it's a new slate that the world's going to be better. Don't think that the number 2020 is cursed. I mean, it's not a 2020 thing. It's just a shitty, a shitty group of circumstances that seem to steamroll all at once. Who am I kidding? Yeah, that year sucked. Thank God it's over. But um, I'm talking about this because I don't. I'm usually not the new, <clears throat> the new year, new me guy. I think that's really cheesy. And um, I think completely overhauling your life is an um. How am I trying to say this? An ambitious undertaking, right? I feel like. I like the premise of New Year's, but it's strange to me because, one, it's the biggest uh, hangover day of the year, I'd imagine, minus Black Wednesday, I think. Blackout Wednesday, not Black Wednesday. That's like a stock market thing. I don't know. Um, you start your year hungover, and it's like it's hard to start off on a clean slate when you're feeling like shit. It's normal. Everyone does it. But I've kind of come to terms of not thinking it as going out 
like you know here's to a new year it's celebrating the year before which is hard to do this last year so you the mentality was just well thank god it's over that's fine but everyone likes to do their new year new me shit right and i think that's really stupid because you're not reinventing yourself you're just proving your lifestyle you're doing something different you're trying to get discipline in your life one way or another you're trying to do something new right you're setting goals that's good but i think people are always way too ambitious about going about it oh i'm going to go to the gym every day in 2021 or i'm going to go five times a week in 2021 and then three weeks later you never do maybe you fall off the rails right and typically you um want to be um, specific. You want to be specific when you set your goals, right? Um, That's normal. I mean, if you were to ask anybody about how to set goals, they would tell you, hey, don't be broad, right? If you're broad, you give yourself a loophole, right? You got to write it down. Be specific about it. That way you know exactly how to go about what you want to accomplish and attack it as hard as you can. I'm normally that way too. Because when you have a definite number of something, right? Say you want to save money this year. Something simple. Excuse me. Something simple, right? You write down that number and you can literally go through and do literally just a lot a certain amount of dollars every week, every month, right? That's a pretty straightforward example. And um, that's kind of what I'm getting at, right? We all set our New Year's goals and we're too overzealous with it, right? We want to go attack our lives now with this renowned sense of discipline that we didn't have the year or months before, right? You're completely overhauling your life. And that's hard to sustain. At least in my experience it is. I mean, you attack working out or getting back in shape is the easiest example because it's the most common one. Like the best month for gyms and uh, fitness facilities is January. Everybody sees a clean slate. Oh, let's go to the gym. Gyms are packed, right? But you notice by the end of January, early February, even March, it's back to normal, right? You fall off the wagon because you were too ambitious with your goal. Too lofty, right? You burn out. Things come up. You don't feel like doing it anymore. That's not the case for everybody, but oftentimes it's the case for many people especially when it comes to exercise and that's no that shouldn't be a stranger or it shouldn't be a Jesus Jake talk today that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone living in America especially when obesity is is like one out of three people are at least overweight in this country right it's an unpopular it's probably an uncommon opinion but this is my opinion when it comes to New Year's goals be small be open right 
Think of it this way. Look at the example of exercise. There are so many ways you can do it. And there are so many different ways that you could incorporate a simple change in your life. You don't have to go to the gym five times a week. You don't have to eat perfect every day of the week. Do something good. Even if it's one little thing you do every day. You work at a desk, go for a walk at lunch. It's hard when it's cold outside, but if you live somewhere warm, you can do that. Cut out one junk food you typically eat all the time. Try not to snack as much. I like to intermittent fast. I've been doing it for three years now. I swear by it. Try that. Be strict with it. For a little bit, if it works for you, continue. If it doesn't, you can always find something else to do. When it comes to those New Year's goals, just pick an area of your life you can improve and do your best to improve that. Do it in a way where you can sustain it. It's a little different with a tangible goal, right? Now, if you want to be like, oh, I weigh 185 pounds. I want to weigh 165 pounds in three months. That's a little different because you can at least work toward that progress. And if you fall short of that, you're still probably going to be in better shape. But I don't know. That might be an unpopular way of going about it. It might not even make sense to you. But that's just how I like to go about New Year's changes. And I did write down a few things that I want to do going forward. And it's kind of built off of this theme of mind, body, and spirit, right? Physical, mental, and spiritual, I guess. Not necessarily religious, but kind of tied into like mental, emotional, just spiritual, right? Being at peace, right? And the first, the biggest one for me is positivity, right? Positivity is kind of something that affects all areas of your health, right? When you're negative about things, you're typically stressed out about them or you're irritated or you're angry or anxious, right? Stress goes up, cortisol goes up. That's physically unhealthy. You have physical side effects from that, right? Lack of sleep. Lack of sleep leads to changing metabolism. Um, unhealthy habits. You typically binge eat when you're stressed out or tired or you're just not as efficient with your body. That's Look up any kind of fitness article you could possibly think of. Go on any YouTube fitness site or anything. Even Instagram has like all those people. There's so many people that talk about how you can be healthier. And there's so many ways to go about it. Eliminating stress is one thing I need to do. Being positive is a way to do that. You don't worry about things as much. You, um, you, um, your mind's at ease. You don't worry about things. You're a happier person. You laugh. You do things you enjoy. That reduces stress. The benefits of your life, the benefits are like endless on how it improves your life. And that's something I'm going to try to do every day. Now, that's now that's kind of what I'm getting at. How do you do that? Well, doing things you enjoy is one thing, but oftentimes it's counterproductive to the other three. Oh, I like watching movies. I love movies. And I'm going to incorporate that as something I enjoy. I love watching TV shows. Same thing. But too much of anything is bad, even if it's good. Right? <clears throat> exercising is good for you eating healthy is good for you but
but think of it this way. You work out every day. And Friday, friends want to go out in a normal setting. Are you going to be rigid enough to give yourself a, a cheat day, if you will? Right? If you don't, you're passing up an opportunity to go do something with your friends, something that brings you happiness and joy. And you don't want to just throw that by the wayside. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. You can't attack it every day, every day, every day. You can't do that all the time. You have to give yourself an out sometimes. Not all the time. Too much of something is good. If you exercise too much, you don't rest right. You don't give yourself some time to recover from all the work you're putting in. You burn out, and then instead of just taking a day off once or twice a week or every two weeks, you fall off the wagon because you're exhausted. So it's balance, right? And sometimes you do need to be negative, getting back to the positivity thing. Sometimes you do need to be critical of yourself or you need to be realistic about things. But it can't be to the point where your outlook on life affects your decisions. It affects your mentality and the way you look at things because then you start to assume you start to have negative energy about you it affects every part of your life trying new things friday i went skiing for the first time ever i was mortified i was gonna break a leg i didn't it was fun i hate being outside in the winter I can't ice skate. I hate snow. I get mad when I have to walk from the parking lot to the office. Or when I did, now I have to park on the street and walk even more. I hate that. But it was nice to be outside. You feel good. It sucks when you sit outside all the time. Or you sit inside all the time. You get cabin fever. You're miserable. It's March and you just can't wait for spring. It feels good. If you, you can get all the benefits of summer if you enjoy winter activities and I'm going to make a definite effort doing that then kind of covered the body right eat better exercise hard but when you do it take your time to take the time to relax when you need to but go about it hard if you give it 100% while you're doing it you're going to reap the benefits of that while being able to live a balanced lifestyle. In the mind, I want to learn. It's so weird, too. I was thinking about this the other day. It's so strange how in American culture and probably most of the West, you go to school or college, I should say, not just school. College from 18 to 22. Most kids, I you could say most, if not all kids, don't have a real genuine interest in learning at that age, right? But it's so funny because two or three years removed from it, your desire to learn increases. It's so strange how that happens, right? I feel like you'd be so much better off going to school from 23 to 27 because you'd actually want to learn. I'm not sure why that is. I don't have an answer for that. I'd like to have answers for things, but I really don't know why that's the case. But I see, I feel like that's a trend all across the board. Can't say for certain, but I do feel like 
your mid-20s is when you really start to have um, a thirst for knowledge, if you will. So, And then I want to read more. I love the stock market. I want to get in, read about finance, read about money, read about all kinds of things. I just want to... I want to improve my life from within. And that's why I don't like the new year, new me thing. You're not changing yourself altogether. You're just improving one little thing. That's where the reinvention comes. And it's not from, you know, picking one thing and you're magically going to change. You have to do a lot of little things. And you have to start by doing one or two little things and building off that. That's why we all fall off the table or it all falls apart because we just think, oh, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and this, and then it's too much, and then you're just back to square one. So I don't know if that made any sense. I mean, I actually took notes for that, and I think I got lost in my own notes, which was kind of strange, but I don't know. I just, when it comes to the New Year's thing, I don't like the cheesiness of it, and I don't like when people are too lofty with their goals. Just go after one little thing. Like, attack one thing every day. and Just do it the best you can. And then all of a sudden, things start to fall into place. I don't know. Um, yeah. So, go kick this year's ass, right? I mean... Building off of 2022, and I wanted to say this a little earlier, but 2020, like, you think it was just a shitbag year, right? And it was. But we were all blessed with something in 2020. Opportunity. Right? Opportunity. In March and April, most of us were forced to quarantine for at least two weeks in some of the bigger cities that was the case in your rural parts of the country you might not have had to and in some places like nothing might have changed at all but i i would say three quarters of us were subjected to some type of change in lifestyle whether it was at work or you couldn't go out and do your favorite things or have to wear a mask all the time it's an adjustment but with those lockdowns as bad as they may have been or as um, untimely or as unfortunate as they may have been we were blessed with an opportunity to improve ourselves and I don't think a lot of us did that and it doesn't help with all the other nonsense that followed in the months past or months afterwards right it just kind of seemed to be like a snowball effect and I feel like if a lot of us were worried about ourselves, a lot of these other problems wouldn't have seemed to have gotten so far out of control, right? Everybody's a hero now. Everyone everyone has an opinion on something, and opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one, but is it always the best to share that? I mean, look at me, for example. I don't know what I'm talking about half the time. I try to, and I try to relay it in a way that makes sense to me, and if you agree with it, you agree with it. If you don't, you don't. you agree, you'll probably listen to this. If you don't, well, you don't give a shit what I have to say, and that's fine. But it's not like I'm on TV 
talking to millions of people and not contributing to the betterment of everybody else. It's not like I'm beating a dead horse. Sometimes I do. I try not to, though. I try to talk about what I'm knowledgeable in and what I like talking about. That's why the show's called Jake's World. You signed up for that, though. I just feel like if we all worried about ourselves a little bit more when it comes to everything that's going on, like don't put your two cents in about every little thing that goes wrong. I mean, I don't even do that. I don't talk about everything. Some things I don't give a shit about. It's not my problem. Don't worry about it. We had an opportunity to do that, to kind of retract from everything. Instead of complain about it, we could have improved ourselves. Like the exercise is a perfect example of that. You didn't have to work for a month. Go do something. Don't lay around and do nothing. So, I don't know. And then, again, another thing too, it's like the devil takes advantage of an idle mind. What do they say? An idle mind's a devil's workshop. All that inactivity led to some bad habits, led to some good habits in some cases, but a lot of bad things too got to stay busy you got to stay occupied in the correct way so let's move on to something lighter some sports it was a huge sports week probably got you got a nice little break from not hearing me talk about it week 16 and besides all the action was this week anyways but I do want to start out with college football because there's a lot less to talk about two games Sugar Bowl Rose Bowl or Orange Bowl Sugar Bowl one of the combinations both on matter it was Clemson Notre or Alabama Notre Dame then Clemson Ohio State on New Year's Day I'm not going to get into all the bowl games there are so many besides Wisconsin won the Mayo Bowl Graham Merch broke the trophy taped Mayo to the top of it that was kind of funny Big Ten back um Notre Dame Alabama I will say this I did not watch much of that game or much of the championship game or the two, Jesus, the two and three game. Did not watch much of the games just because I was at, I was skiing. So I missed the Notre Dame game. I saw it in the, the bar or whatever and then went home and watched the rest of the night game. Committee got the right four teams. And... Everyone likes to shit on Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame had no business being there. Should have been this team. Most cases it was A&M. It should have been this team. Other cases, Florida. It should have been this, this, and this. Notre Dame can't beat Alabama. Well, nobody can. There's three premier programs in the country. Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. Those are your perennial contenders. Number four is a luxury. You're lucky to be number four. Notre Dame knows that. Younger fans know that who don't remember the dominance of Notre Dame in the 1970s with Lou Holtz. Early 2000s, even the 90s, right? They know they had no business being there. Why are you dogging them for it? 
you could substitute any other team in the country and it would be the same thing. Georgia, Texas A&M, Florida, Cincinnati. Who is going to get whooped by Alabama? That was the case, and that's the case pretty much every year. There are three teams who are deserving of the playoff most years. Last year was the exception. LSU is the best college team ever for one season. They ran through the SEC. The SEC was stacked. I think they beat something like five of the top five top ten teams that season. Beat Alabama. Beat Florida. Beat Auburn. Beat A and M. Beat Clemson. Beat Ohio State. That's just kind of how it is every year, and. Myself included. I mean, I talked about it with Will on the show. Should they expand the playoff? Well, yeah, that's exactly why. Because there are three teams every year who deserve to be in the playoff. And it's those three. And then the fourth one is a wild card. It's based on the resume. Notre Dame had the best resume outside of those three teams this year. That's why they were there. So stop dogging that fourth team. Anyways. It's, Columbia, it's uh, Alabama, Ohio State next Monday. It's going to be a great game, I think. Ohio State looked really good. I think they surprised a lot of people. They thought Clemson was going to roll through them. Ohio State's good. Justin Fields is good. I mean, Trevor Lawrence really didn't play that bad. It's just Clemson was bad on defense. And that happens sometimes, you know. That's just kind of how it goes sometimes. But, um. One thing I do want to talk about with the football game, the night game, that hit on Justin Fields. That was a game-changing event. I think that was Clemson's best defensive player who got a targeting call and ejected from the game. I'm okay with the targeting penalty. Was it really his fault? No. Was it intentional? Absolutely not. If you did watch that play, Fields is scrambling and he kind of Last second, spins, gives him his back, and the defender drilled him. Just drilled him. He has to step off, and he gets checked out, comes back in the game. Um, Clemson kid gets hit with a targeting penalty, and he's ejected from the game. Rails. The train went off the rails after that. Final score was, what, 49-21? 49-27, something like that. I'm okay with the targeting, but I really think the NCAA should go back and adjust this rule. Because in most instances of targeting, it's always a fluke play, right? How often do you see a college kid out there headhunting? I mean, it's not like Fontes perfect in the NFL, right? That guy was a dickhead. The old, the Dominican Sioux, who would get those kinds of penalties. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like, you're going to penalize. I mean, yes, if you want to get stingy, the kid did lead with the crown of his helmet and potentially could have hurt the other player. 
But what do you want them to do when they're both going that fast? And Justin Fields, the quarterback, has the one he has the one advantage to that play, to avoiding that kind of play that no other player on the field has, and that's the ability to slide. Give yourself up. Then if you get hit, it's definitely a targeting penalty, and you're definitely going to get thrown out of a college game. That's a flag in the NFL, too. He didn't do that, and I don't see how you're able to penalize him in that instance. I don't know. You might disagree. You might agree. I don't know. I just The way I see it, it's a bad call to me, but I don't know. NFL, NFL, (laughs) what a Sunday it was. What a Sunday it was. The noon slate was kind of boring. Um, I think the most eventful thing was like the, not the butt fumble made famous by Mark Sanchez, but the butt recovery made famous by Wayne Gallman. That was the strangest fumble I've ever seen. Gallman's running, gets a first down to ice the game. He gets hit on the ball. He fumbles it. Somehow falls down and recovers it. He's like sit, like sitting the ball, sitting on the ball. It's like up his hoop, and he loses it and somehow comes up with it. And the Cowboys end up losing the game because refs called fumble on the field recovered by the Giants. Even though, if they call that the other way, one play in a field goal, and we might have a different game. Or one goal. I think they were down four, so they would have... No. I think they were down two. No, regardless. It looked like he did recover it himself when um, they slowed down the replay on TV. But, I mean, it was pretty crazy how differently that could have gone. So, the Giants ended up winning. The winner of this game would have been tied with um, Washington before they played that game. Or, if Washington would have lost, it would have been a two-way tie with the winner of the New York-Dallas game. And then the winner of that would have gone to the playoffs because Washington did not have the second tie or the tiebreaker there um the browns are in the playoffs which is a real shame now because kevin stefanski their head coach and like five of their other coaches have covid that's classic browns too i mean you you lose the jets the week before not entirely your fault because you don't have wide you're starting four wide receivers And then you play a game against Pittsburgh. They rest their starters because they're in anyways. They won the AFC North. And you're able to win a game to get you into the playoffs. And now you got to do it without your head coach, who's probably going to win coach of the year. Stefanski's a great coach. (laughs) It's just classic Browns. That news came out earlier today, I believe. Um, Otherwise, aside from those two, two games there wasn't really a ton going on in the um the noon games i think the bengals ravens were a blowout ravens won big they're in um um it was 
Buccaneers, Falcons. That game was a shootout for a while. Um, the Lions and the Vikings played. And there are no implications there, so Red Zone didn't really cover that one all that much. But the noon slate, the noon slate wasn't entirely interesting. It got interesting in a three o'clock slate. Chiefs rest their starters; they lose. That's not a big deal. Um, Green Bay, Chicago. There's a lot of implications on that game. Green Bay, Chicago. Chicago wins, they're in. Chicago loses, they need Arizona to lose, which they did. So the Bears are in, they're seventh seed. The Rams-Cardinals game was a disaster. You have Kyler Murray, he gets hurt. They're up 7-0. Jared Goff was out on the other side. Backup quarterback, John Wofford, never completed an NFL pass. Murray comes Murray comes out of the locker room and then you don't go back to him and you end up losing the game like Cliff King, Cliff Kingsbury what are you doing What are you doing You win you're in if he's good to go you go so, I don't know Red Zone didn't cover that game a ton either and if they did I was watching the Packers Green Bay rolled they rolled they looked really good Aaron Rodgers is the MVP it, that's that's just how it's gonna be. He's the MVP. Third highest passer rating of all time in one season. One point away from his record, one twenty two point five. He finished with one twenty one point five. He was perfect in the first half. Green Bay gets a bye, road to the Super Bowls through Lambeau. That's gonna be tough for everyone else. Um Colts, Jags, pretty uneventful. I think it was like 28-14. Final ended up being. Derrick Henry, oh my God. That guy is absurd. 2,000 yards. I think he finished with like 20-27, something like that. First 2,000-yard rusher since Adrian Peterson in 2012. God, I fucking love running backs. I wish running back, being a running back, wasn't a dying breed in the NFL. It's all quarterbacks now. It's all wide receivers. I really wish the running back wasn't a lost art because running backs are so cool, and that guy is a workhorse. He's on my fantasy team this year. He carried the ball 373 times this season. That's absurd. I don't think there's anybody else in the league who's remotely close to that. Nick Chubb, maybe. David Montgomery, maybe. I don't know. Kamara gets that many touches, but it's not all in the running game. It was on Christmas, but or on Christmas Eve, but that's really it. That's crazy. Crazy. How well he runs. It's tractor Cito season, week eleven and on. You the guy gets better because he's so big and so physical. Guys just can't tackle him anymore. It's crazy. And I wish the entire league would kind of adopt that. Be able to run the ball. Um, Jesus, I can't even read that. Oh, the night game. The night game I refuse to watch. I've been a Washington football team guy. I think they're... Um, I love the story of the NFC East, the NFC Beast. 
right? You have four teams in that division who are just garbage. But it turns out Washington's kind of not that bad, maybe? I don't think they're that bad. Their defense is really something to write home about. Their front seven's probably the best in football. Um, Alex Smith is a great story. He's He didn't play and had that calf issue. But he's kind of doing a good job when he's playing. They didn't have Dwayne Haskins. Or did they cut him after this? I think they cut him. Morning of. So they go with a different guy. I didn't even watch the game, so I don't even know what happened. All I do know is that Jalen Hurts got benched. And everyone was pissed, right? Because at the time, it was a one-score game. You take away your... You take out your now starting quarterback and you put in some other clown. I think his name is like Sudfeld. And he stunk. And then Washington ends up winning. And it's a real shame because if they could have beat Washington and it looks like they could have, the Giants would have been in the playoffs. So naturally Giants fans are all pissed off, right? But it's like you were bad too, so you can't get too angry about it. All for a draft pick. I mean, Eagles did move up three spots. If they would have won that game, they would have been three spots lower. I know it's crazy how things work out sometimes. So, But in review, seeding, it's a super wild card Saturday. And super wild card weekend with games on Nickelodeon, which is kind of strange. Hey, new year, new NFL, right? On the NFC side, you got Green Bay, buys. Number one seed. Everything's running through Lambeau. I'm not going to jinx anything, but getting that one seed was huge. Two and seven, New Orleans and Chicago. It's in the Dome. It's a rematch. Bears look much better than they did, what, two months ago? And... um. I just lost what I was going to say. The Bears looked a lot better than they did. Oh, Bears looked much better than they did when Saints Chicago played. And Bears took them to overtime. A struggling Nick Foles Chicago Bears offense took the Saints to overtime. Bears could win this game. That defense can, you know, show up. You never know. Trubisky looks good. Allen Robinson's had a fantastic season. Montgomery's been really good ever since Trubisky got back in. And the Bears could win this game. They could win this game. Next up, Seattle Rams. I'm not going to be terribly interested in this one. Each team has its own fatal flaw. And this is the third time they're playing this year. They did split, I believe. So, it's really anybody's game. They're playing in Seattle, which no 12th man is a huge disadvantage for Seattle. But is Jared Goff going to be healthy? Do the Rams have to roll out with a backup? No, no. Rams have a fantastic pass defense. Their pass rush is pretty good. Their linebackers aren't great. Seattle likes to run the ball. you got Carlos Hyde. 
um, Chris Carson and um, DJ Dallas when he's healthy. I don't I don't think he's even playing right now. I think he's out. But Seattle's like that sneaky run team that runs the ball really well, and we know we they have Russell Wilson, but we only key in on Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and they got a they ground and pound. They run the ball really well, so that one's anybody's game, I think. Rams don't like to show up on offense, and Seattle's defense is atrocious. So I guess I guess we'll see what happens there. Tampa, Washington. Tom Brady's terrible in prime time. He's one and three in prime time this season. He does not play well in the elements. I mean, it's nice to play football when it's eighty and sunny in Tampa Bay. Washington could win this game. In fact, I'm going to say it. I think Washington's going to win this game. If Alex Smith is back, they will win this game. That defense is incredible. Up front. Can't say much for the pass defense, but that defense is good up front. Their problems come because they can't score. That's the only issue there. Tampa Bay's loaded on offense. Their defense was really good to start off the year. It hasn't been very good since. But you could say, oh, look here. Tampa's been clicking on all cylinders. Look who they've played. They played the Vikings' atrocious defense. They played the Lions' atrocious defense. And they've played the Falcons' atrocious defense twice. Washington will will win this game if Alex Smith is back and healthy. And if they have Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson and a capable quarterback. Ron Rivera is a good coach. He's going to scheme up everything the way he needs to. That defense is not going to allow 30 points unless I'm completely wrong. But new year being assertive, I'm making a take. If if it's wrong, it's wrong. Washington's going to win Saturday night. (coughs) Excuse me. AFC side. Kansas City, clearly number one. Off week. They rested the starters. They lost to the Chargers. So we'll see who they end up playing. Can't really talk much about them. Road to the Super Bowls through Arrowhead. That's a tough place to play. I've been to Arrowhead. Saw Blake Bortles lose to Alex Smith in 2016. It was electric. Just kidding. It was like 20 to 9. Bills. Colts. Bills by a million. The Bills are unreal good. And I think the Bills are the one team that has a chance at beating the Kansas City Chiefs. That is the AFC Championship game of destiny. I want to see Chiefs-Bills. They played like week six, and it was kind of a weird game. It was wet outside. The weather wasn't great. It was a low-scoring game, but it was close, right? Buffalo's clicking on all cylinders. Like, all cylinders and then some. It's crazy how good they look on offense. They scored 56 against Miami. That was the other noon game I was looking for. 56 to 26. Miami was, like, the best defense in the league, scoring-wise, I think, coming into that game, and they let up 56. Bills are good. Look out. They don't even run the ball really well, either. They've just got Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs and... John Brown and 
I don't know if he's going to be healthy, though. Um, there's one more guy, some Davis guy. I don't remember his first name, but look out for the Bills. Cleveland-Pittsburgh, third matchup of the season. Pittsburgh won by Billy in the first time. Of course, this last week, Cleveland won, get in the playoffs. It's going to be a totally different game. Steelers are going to be, they're going to have Big Ben. Mike Tomlin's a fantastic coach. He's probably one of the best coaches in the league. You don't know what's going to happen. Oh, Patriots-Jets. That was the other noon game. Okay, I got them all. Sweet. Okay. I don't know. No head coach for Cleveland. I mean, somebody's going to be able to call plays, but it's not just about calling plays. It's a timing thing, too, about knowing when to do things. Clock management is huge. It's a huge component of the NFL game, and so many coaches are bad at it. It's astounding. Stefanski's not even great at it. A lot of coaches aren't, but you're missing your offensive coordinator, your head coach, and some of your skill guys' coaches, I'm assuming. Good luck, Cleveland. You're going to need it. Last one, Baltimore-Tennessee, the rematch. This game went into overtime six, seven weeks ago maybe. It's been a while now. That's a different Ravens team, though. The Ravens have finally embraced their identity. They're running the ball. They're not passing much. When Lamar Jackson passes too much, they don't fare well. He can't pass the ball. He's just not good at it, and that's okay. He is the most athletic, scrambling quarterback in the league. Use that. Why not? You've got Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, and Gus Edwards, the best trio of running backs in the league. Do it. Run the ball. Dobbins is a stud. He was a stud at Ohio State. He's a stud now. Feed him 20, 30 times. Feed all of them 40 times. Tennessee's defense stinks. You'll be able to run all over them. Derrick Henry, though, look out. If your defense doesn't show up to play, he's going to run all over you, and they're going to pass it to Corey Davis and A.J. Brown and John U. Smith. That game is going to score 80 points. If you're a betting man or woman, take the over in that game. I would be genuinely surprised if that game under was set lower than 55 points and that's pretty much it um devonta smith won the heisman um heard it here first or not first but i'd said it months ago trevor lawrence clemson revenge tour the victory lap i don't i hope he doesn't go to the draft i'm gonna be so wrong on that but i hope he doesn't go to the draft that would be so funny the Jaguars and the Jets tanked all season. The Jaguars lost 15 games in a row. They tanked all season to get Trevor Lawrence, and then he doesn't win a Heisman. He gets embarrassed in the um, semifinals, and then he goes back to school. Oh, my God, that would be so funny. That would be so fucking awesome. All right. Hope you guys had a great holiday. Happy New Year. Attack the New Year. Like I said, broad goals, though. Just improve your life in one area one day at a time. doesn't have to be the same thing. You don't have to kill yourself. Just do something. Get better at something every day. Try something new. Listen to this podcast. Tell your friends about this podcast. And I will talk to you guys next time. Peace. to get you with a fine tooth.